Jesus said, I am the light. We've been studying these I am statements of Jesus for the past several weeks. And this morning, obviously, we're talking about that statement that Jesus made when he said, I am the light of the world. It's an idea that's actually plastered all over the Gospel of John, especially, and a concept that's dependent upon, as we read the life story of Jesus and the history of God, what's God doing in the world as we read it through Scripture? What's the story of God in history? For instance, John's Gospel starts out with the concept. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, He was uh, with God in the beginning, through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. And then listen to this. In him was life. That life was the light of all humankind. Right away, John jumps, jumps into this concept. And he goes on to say, And that light shines in the darkness, but the darkness did not overcome it or overwhelm it or beat it. In John chapter 8, the text that we just saw, Jesus spoke to the people and he said, Definitively, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. John goes on in the very next chapter and addresses, as we talked about last week, this idea of a blind man being born blind and talks about the way that night is coming and the light is still here. While I am in the world, he says in verse 5 of John chapter 9, I am the light of the world. In John chapter 12, a crowd speaks up. It says, we have heard of the law in the law that Moses, our Messiah, will remain forever. So how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is the Son of Man? And Jesus answers, talking about who he is. You are going to have the light just a little while longer. So there's a reference here to his life and his short life. Walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. Whoever walks in the dark does not know where he or she is going, stubbing your toes along the way. Believe in the light, he says, maybe pointing to himself, while you have the light so that you may become children of the light. And when he had finished speaking, Jesus left and hid himself from them. They knew exactly what he was saying. So he hid himself from them because it wasn't time yet for that kind of a conflict. All over John. I was listening to a message by the preacher John Piper the other day on this text. And I love one line in particular where Piper put everything together, responding to what it meant to hear the text Jesus saying, of Jesus saying, I am the light. Piper puts it this way. He says, Jesus here is saying, I am here in one in one statement, I am here for God, from God, to God, as God. I am here for God, Jesus is saying when he says, I am the light. From God, I came forth from the Father, to God, or going back to the Father, as God. Jeff, in the opening message of this series, when Jesus says, before Abraham was, I am, reminded us that Jesus is clearly stating that he is equal to God there. He is God. So what does this mean for us? What are some observations we can take away from this statement of Jesus? Very bold statement, isn't it? And again, he uses the direct article. He's not saying, I am a light. I am one of the great options for you to find your way. He again 
angers people by saying, I am, as a matter of fact, the light. And he goes on in another text and says, no one comes to the Father but through me. There's no other way that the trail is actually lit. What does he mean by this? What are some ramifications of this? Just a couple. And I want to take the language of that video that you just saw, of that piece you just saw there. One of the things it means is this, is that Jesus reveals things. Light reveals things. The other morning I woke up uh, in the middle of the night and I was wondering, did I set my alarm? I don't know if I set my alarm. And all kinds of weird things happening that day that I they're not part of my normal regimen. You know? So I, I woke up in the middle of the night, as I'm prone to do as a 60-year-old man, three or four times a night, right guys? But I woke up one time and thought, well, since I'm awake, I might as well pray and I might as well check my clock to make sure I set my alarm. And I didn't want to wake Brenda up, and I couldn't quite see the a.m. p.m. You know when you go to set your alarm, if you set it for 6 a.m., but you really didn't see that it was set on 6 p.m., there's this little light that tells you, yes, it's an a.m. You know what I'm talking about? It's a.m. You didn't set it for 6 p.m. But I couldn't see the thing. So what I did was I turned on the light right next to my bed. Still couldn't see it. So I took it, and I turned my clock like this, face up, and then put it right under that bright light, under the lampshade, and I could clearly see I could clearly see that I was going to be able to wake up at 6. And the sense was this. What was not seeable before was clearly seen now. Why? Because I'd exposed it to direct light. And the light of the world does that too. Jesus does that too. He reveals the dust in our corners and the roaches in our cupboards so that we can address them. He doesn't just reveal the dust in our corners and the roaches in our cupboards so we can be aware of them. He reveals those things so we can address them. So when he reveals to me a shameful and incredible insecurity that's making me feel threatened so that I get defensive, and when I get defensive, conversation stops, and the only way for me to come out a winner, which is actually a loser, is to defeat the other person. And he says to me, what is that about? Let's be done with that. He doesn't reveal it to me so I can understand myself only. He reveals it so I can understand myself and then address what's there and be the person I long to be. But he also reveals not just the dust and the cockroaches. Light also reveals all that's beautiful. I got to travel. My favorite artist is Rembrandt. And I wanted to go to the... I was going to Amsterdam uh, several years ago for some meetings. And I thought, I want to go to the Rembrandt Museum and see some of these paintings I've only seen in books Nightwatch is huge. You can barely fit it up on this stage. It's just, it's just a monstrous painting. I don't know, eight, ten feet high uh, and twice that long. And it's very, very dark. Rembrandt was really, he was brilliant though. He could paint dark paintings and somehow pull, pull light out from that darkness. And when you throw light on Nightwatch or any other painting, all of a sudden, the, 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 the masterful work of the artist is drawn out. Jesus reveals things, and he reveals things that need to change, but be encouraged because he also reveals, light also reveals things that need to stay, that are good, that are beautiful. He does both. That's one of the things light does for us. And then secondly, this, light reveals things, Jesus reveals things, but Jesus also illuminates or clarifies things. Light does that. When Jesus says, I am the light of the world, he in effect says this, whoever follows me will find their way 
even when they can't otherwise see very clearly. I was a youth pastor for 10 or 12 years and started taking students to Mexico, uh, and we continued that when we moved up to Oregon to go to graduate school. And so we'd drive, we bought a church, bought a little bus, fixed it all up, and we would uh, drive from Oregon down to Mexicali. And over the past, Southern Oregon, we would often find situations that looked like that. And I couldn't see. I wanted to keep going. Back then, I wasn't smart enough to pull over. The, the schedule said we will be here by then, and we will be here by then. By God, we're going to get there. And so what I would do when it was a whiteout like that, we had several of those, a, a bus full of your students. Here I am. What an idiot. But I, but I was smart enough to know that I could pull in behind a semi. And if I would just keep my eyes on the taillights of that semi, we could get through the storm together. But that only worked if you knew that the driver of the semi was following someone who was reliable. All I could see was his lights. Otherwise, you could be led by the semi, semi right off the edge of a cliff and end up in trouble. That's not a picture of us. Our bus was smaller than that, but, but that kind of thing could happen. And Jesus, when he says, I am the light of the world, whoever follows me will find their way, will find life. He's saying, whoever follows me won't end up like that. They'll follow me right to life. In Proverbs, you have that text, lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, follow the taillights ahead of you. As long as you know they're following good taillights. In all your ways, acknowledge me. Why do we know that Jesus can lead us to life like that? Because there's someone reliable that he is following in the storm. He says, I'm not speaking on my own initiative. What I get from the Father, I give to you. You're safe following the semi in the snowstorm when you discover that the semi is following the Caltrans snowplow. That's when you're safe following the semi in the snowstorm. Whoever follows me will find their way, he says, even when they can't otherwise see. Why? Because I'm the light of the world. I illuminate things. I clarify things. But there's something unique about this I am statement of Jesus. Of all the eight I am statements of Jesus, we've looked at most of them, referred to all of them. I am God, before Abraham was, I am. I am the bread of life, I am the door, I am the good shepherd, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine, and now today I am the light. There's something unique about this I am the light statement. Because this, I don't know that he does this with any other of the I am statements. Now he might, you might be able to find it, I couldn't. But it's all over the place with this I am the light statement. This is the only one that I know of where he projects the same statement on us. He doesn't ever say, you are the bread of life. You are the door. You are the good shepherd. You, church, are the way, are the truth, and the life. You are the true vine. I don't know if Jesus is saying that, but he clearly says, I am the light. And then he says, and you are the light of the world. Matthew 5, listen to this in the Sermon on the Mount. You are the light of the world. Same language. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp 
and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others. Reveal, illumine, guide, lead, give life, that they may see your good deeds, and then glorify your Father in heaven. And listen, he certainly never says you are God. But he does say you are the light. Sometimes we are the revealers. Sometimes we are the illuminators. Sometimes we are the flashlight. Sometimes we are the semi that leads people not to life, not life itself, but the, the, the people who lead someone to the light and the life. This is an I am statement that gets turned into a you our statement. How in the world do we work that one out? It is a, an incredible thing we think about that Jesus is the light, Jesus God, that Jesus has this incredible ministry that he does, and yet he invites um, us, his people, to not just be his people and his followers, but he shares um, his identity and his mantle with us. Jesus says, I am the light, and then you are the light. Jesus says, I am God and you are my people. We get to be the children of God because of Jesus Christ. Jesus says that we get to be partners and co-laborers with him, that we get to be, share in the ministry of him. In Acts chapter one, verse eight, Jesus says, when the Holy Spirit comes, you are gonna be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and into the very ends of the world. What an incredible thing that Jesus invites us to participate in his ministry. Jesus was one person on earth in the flesh and could do a certain amount of things, and yet his desire and his passion is to pick normal humans, his followers, to take on his mantle to be the light, to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and into the ends of the world all the way for 2,000 years later here in Marin County. It's incredible. And ever since I became a Christian, I've always been mesmerized and impressed with missionaries. Um, I just think it's so gutsy to leave everything, to just drop what you have, to go to some other part of the world and to share Christ with people who have never heard about him. That is like the most incredible thing. And uh, in fact, this last week, our family, we do these little... uh, dinnertime devotions or whatever, and there's this book we're going through, and uh, it was sharing the story of this missionary, Gladys Allward. And uh, she was a missionary in the 20s. And what's so awesome, if you think about it, uh, a woman in the 20s says, I am going to follow Jesus, and I want people in China to know about Jesus. And so she sells up her little business. She goes with a couple of buddies, and they start up this inn, like a bed and breakfast in China, to go so that they can tell people about Jesus. They call it the Inn of Happiness. I mean, how cool is that? Like this total, what an incredible thing that she went and did this. And, uh, and the, the story goes that all of a sudden she's running out of money and she's getting worried she's going to have to come back home. And, uh, and this official, one of the Chinese officials, came to her door and she thought, oh my goodness, you're going to close me down. And he's like, no, no, no. Actually, what I need is I need you to help us with something. Uh, they just outlawed foot binding, which was an ancient practice. And they said, listen, we're trying to be more modern, no more foot binding, and we need someone to go and enforce uh, this new regulation. And we want you to do it, and we're going to pay you. We're going to send you to every part of China 
to go and tell people that they can't have their foot bound. She says, well, I'm only going to do that if I can tell people about Jesus. And he's like, well, you can tell people whatever you want, but we need to make sure this happens. And so they paid her, they gave her soldiers, and she went out throughout all of China and got to be a light and got to be a witness. And I read that story and I'm like, oh, Gladys Allward, you are the bomb. You are awesome. That is the kind of person I long to be. Ever since my whole life, I read that. And I read through scripture and you read through Paul and Paul goes all over um, Southeast Asia and he's telling everybody about Jesus. He's going to all these little towns, town after town after town, telling people about Jesus. I'm like, oh, Paul, you are awesome. How in the world did you call me to suburbia? Like, God, what happened? Where did I miss it? I, I was, if you said go to Africa, I was there. If you said go to China, I was there. Where did I miss it that all of a sudden I ended up in Marin, in Novato? This is my house. This is my town. Where did I miss it? And for a long time, I've really, I felt guilty about this is where I'm supposed to be. This is my spot. Because I read stories about um, um, Gladys Allward and I read, read Paul and I just think, man, those people got it. But recently I was reading through Acts again. And what's interesting is Paul who was Saul, had this conversion experience. He was riding through town and he falls off, you know, God confronts him and he goes blind. And it says that he goes, he's in Damascus and he comes to a, a, a disciple of Jesus' house named Ananias. And in Damascus, there was this group of people who loved Jesus, who followed Jesus, who were the light in Damascus. Paul is brought to Ananias' house and Ananias prays for him. And, uh, you know, miraculously, Paul's vision comes back. And Ananias and his people are the ones who were the first people to pour into Paul and say, Paul, this is who Jesus is. You're right. You've had these revelations. We're going to confirm those things. They loved him. They cared for him. And they started sharing ministry together. But who, and Ananias is one guy. But there was a whole ministry of those people all around. If you read through the different gospels, especially, I mean, the different uh, epistles, especially Romans, at the very end of Romans, Romans chapter 16, is all these people that Paul's like, say hello to so-and-so, say hello to so-and-so, say hello to so-and-so. Because in Rome, there was a church. There were people who were just normal people who were tailors and blacksmiths and uh, accountants and, uh, and parents. They were just normal people living in Rome. And Paul gets all the glory. The movies are made about Paul because Paul went from all these different places. Paul, movies were made about Gladys Allward because she left and did this amazing thing. But those people all went somewhere and planted the Word of God, and the Word of God grew, and the church grew. And this amazing thing happened that the light of Christ showed up at this place, and it was incredible. And somehow, miraculously, the light of Christ has come to Marin. And we are this little body of believers. And there's a bunch of churches all Marin who share in this mantle of Christ of being the light of God in Marin. Now, no movies are going to be made about us. No books are going to be written. There's not going to be any cool little biographies with our, little, with our pictures on. That's not going to be us. Because this is the place that God planted us. And God has an incredible ministry for us. Because we are the church. We are the church scattered. God, we don't just come, if, if, if we were the only the church here, Marin coming to church for an hour on Sunday mornings, that would be a very tiny thing. Our whole lives are outside of this place, and Jesus longs for our entire life to take on the mantle of Jesus and to be the light. Jesus is light. God, he says that we are the light. And like Art was saying, we are like the semi who's helping other people find the light. That is our job. We are the witnesses, the ambassadors, the people who are helping other people know and love Jesus. And that is our incredible calling. It is an incredible and high calling that God has put on us to be planted, to realize that no movies are about us. But we are to be faithful, to be scattered all over Marin, all over San Francisco, all over the North Bay. God has planted people to be a light for Jesus. Oh my goodness, my mouth got a little dry. Can you grab me a little water? Sorry, Jeff. 
I was hoping I could make a whole sermon without it, and I couldn't even do it. I have nine minutes, and I couldn't even do it. Um, but so here's the deal. So, but think about that. If this was the only place, Marine Covenant was the only place that there was going to be light for one hour on a Sunday morning, oh, that's so great. But the vision that God has is so much bigger that we are the church scattered, that we individually are to be all over northern, um, or, or the North Bay. Thanks, Jeff. Sorry about that, everybody. And that's God's heart, is that the light of Christ would make its way through all the North Bay, through you. So think of your entire life outside of this one hour we get to be together, which is incredible. I love being together. But your whole life, think of your whole life. Think of your school that your kids go to, the schools that you go to. Think of the people in your third period class. Think of the job that you go off to. Think of your neighbors in your neighborhood. Think of the people who live immediately around you that you wave every day on your way to and from. The people that, the, the same people when you go to the store or the farmer's market. We all run into people every day. God has given all of us a sphere of influence. And in that sphere of influence, you are to be the light. You are to be the ambassador of Jesus Christ. You are to be the scattered church of Marin Covenant Church, that you actually represent Marin Covenant Church, who represents Jesus Christ at your school, at your home, at your work, at the place that you volunteer. And what an incredible thing that instead of thinking, oh God, what are you doing in Marin? There's just a few of us gathered in this one place. But know that the church of Marin, the church of Jesus Christ, we are the light that we are scattered all over the North Bay. And we are, in a little bit are going to have an opportunity to actually visually think about where are all the places that we as Marin Covenant are invested in this county and in the North Bay. And it's going to be overwhelming. And it would be even more incredible if we took all the churches in Marin and said, everyone in Marin who have called themselves followers of Christ, who take on the mantle of Jesus and say, I am the light of the world. Where are all the places that we are scattered? And I think that we would be overwhelmed with all the places that the light of Christ infiltrates throughout all of Marin. We always think, oh, there's no Christians here. It's so, so different. It's what, like, that is total garbage. Jesus is alive and he is active and he's doing incredible things in us and through us. And so God is inviting you and he's invited me not necessarily to go to China, not necessarily to pack up everything and go to the other parts of the world. Although when those, that happens to you, we will send you and pray for you. But for the majority of us, we are called to be part of Marin Covenant and to be scattered throughout the North Bay to be the light of Jesus so that by God's grace, some people may come to know him and love him. But being scattered is only part of it. We have to be scattered, but we also have to make sure that we're together as the church gathered. Ben, can I get a cup of coffee and a donut? That'd be... (laughs) Jesus is the light of the world as Art brought that truth from all through the New Testament. And Ben said, and, 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 and then Art said, and we're called to be the light as well. He gave us that call, and Ben said, we're the light scattered. We're the light scattered. In fact, I hopefully we could even turn on that, that spot, Daryl, onto that map. I mean, we're the light scattered. But we're also the light together. We're the light together. We're the light here in this place. There's something about us being together as the church that also is a, is, is a, a manifestation of us being the light. We're the light scattered, we're the light together. And, and two thoughts about that for me this morning. I have two thoughts about this idea of being the light together. There's, a, there's a, a collective sense of being the light, a collective impact, and there's an exponential impact. A collective impact and an exponential impact. The collective impact is sort of like we're actually equal to the sum of our parts. 
The exponential impact, we're greater than the sum of our parts. You already know we're there, we're going there, right? We're, but let's talk about how it is that we are actually equal to the sum of our parts. There's a collective impact. You see, when we're together, when we're being together, when we're working together, when we're worshiping together, when we're praying together, when we're giving together, we accomplish more than any one or two of us could do alone. Isn't that true? I mean, that's just totally true. That's just a no-brainer. That when we're all together, we're like, wow, look at many hands make light work or many dollars make an easier uh, uh, bill to pay. You know, I mean, I mean we're together, we're, we, we accomplish more than any one or two of us could accomplish. We, we have this, uh, we do this at, at camp or we do it at, at Christmas Eve. You know the thing where you light one candle and you start on one side of the room? And you're like, well, that actually is pretty cool. One candle in a dark room does what? I mean, it lights up there. Like, it brings light. I mean, it's amazing. But then we do this thing to illustrate this point I'm making, this collective thing, that when you light the next candle and then the next one and then the next one and the, and the light goes across the room, it's like, boom, like everything can be seen. And the difference between one light, which is pretty cool and pretty impactful, and 300 candles in the room is dramatic. That's what I'm talking about. There's a collective impact to us being together. The way that Jesus illustrated this uh, well, he ordained this experience to happen in the New Testament. Three of our Gospels, the, um, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all record the time when Jesus was preaching in a house and it was all crowded, remember? And it was too crowded for, um, for people to even get in the room. But four friends grabbed their friend who was a paralyzed man and he was lying on a mat and each one got on each corner and carried the man to Jesus. And not being able to get into the house, they dug a hole through the roof. That's kind of that story. Remember that? But the cool thing about that, I mean, we sort of, in our modern vernacular, we have this phrase about carrying my corner of the mat, that these four guys picked up their friend, each one needing to be on a corner. And when you're a kid and you hear this story, and you think about one guy not carrying his end and seeing their poor paralyzed friend sliding off the mat onto the ground, it's actually a little funny. Okay, maybe just to me that was funny. <laughs> and sick a little bit. But the point is made that they, together, one person couldn't carry that weight, couldn't bring that guy, couldn't dig through the roof, couldn't lower him down in a way that he could actually be touched by Jesus. It took a collective effort to be able to do that. We're, we're the light collectively. There's a collective impact when we're together. We're equal to the sum of our parts. Every one of us brings our gifts and our resources to the table, and those stack up to have an impact on people getting brought to Christ. That's how it works. You bring your gifts to this, every single person in this room is gifted differently. And every person in your smaller group that you connect with is gifted differently. And every one of your gifts add up to give every other one of you what you need. Do you understand that? That's how it works. Like, you get what you need to be strengthened to be God's person, to be the light in your world, to be encouraged, to get the courage that you need, to grow in your relationship with God. Other people's gifts bring that to you, and your gifts combined with all the other gifts bring that to all the other people. There's a collective. We're equal to the sum of our parts. And part of our parts is our spiritual gifts that we bring to the table. And every one of us strengthens everybody else until we have what we need to serve Jesus. Collectively, we become the light.
Ephesians 4.16 says, From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. We're the light together as we strengthen. Strengthen this body. Use our gifts. i got to say this about how we're all so equal to the sum of our parts. That was about spiritual gifts. And I referenced it earlier. We're equal to the sum of our parts with regard to our, our, our financial resources, our dollars. The things that we can accomplish together as opposed to what one person could accomplish alone is off the charts. And if you've ever been through a business meeting around here, you recognize the amount of things that we're able to do because together we bring our tithes to the storehouse. So to speak, that's a biblical phrase. We bring our tithes to be invested in God's vision of the future. You know what tithes are, right? Tithes are our financial resources. They're our offerings where we're giving back to God what he has given to us. This is what tithing is. It is a sacrifice of our financial resources and what we could do and use and enjoy with that. It's an investment in God's kingdom and an acknowledgement that everything God has given is mine and I'm all in on his kingdom. I mean, it's his, sorry, that he gives to me is his, and I'm all in on God's kingdom. And so I'm going to invest that tithe, and where my treasure is, my heart's going to go. I'm going to be reminded that I'm all about what God wants to do in this world. I'm going to be reminded that every day, every dollar, every breath, every thought is subject to Christ. But think about how that works. When we bring that tithe, when we bring our financial resources collectively to invest in the kingdom of God, mission is done in the most impactful way than what we could do on our own. We do that together. We do it spontaneously. You know, you've been part of spontaneous experiences in our church where we collectively bring our resources to the table. Like when we had, remember when we had Vivian, the girl from, Mar from Southern Moran who was uh, selling lemonade in order to free children from slavery? And uh, Linda met or Linda heard about her, and then we went down and we uh, Skyped with her selling lemonade one day, and then they showed up in our church, and then we had them up front, and then they sold lemonade on the deck, and we ran out of lemonade, and our people waited an hour and 45 minutes after church to give money for an empty lemonade cup because they were out of lemonade, and then we hugged on her, and uh, they sent me a photo of Vivian having laid out all of the dollars and the 20s and the checks and the quarters and the pennies on the ground. We, we, we raised something like $1,500 and were part of, you know, giving to an organization that freed 30 children from slavery that day. You can't do that on your own. We had Megan O'Mara up here uh, not too long ago. She's a girl who came to Christ at Chico State and has a heart for college students. She said, remember what she said? I'll never forget. She was standing right here. She said, there are a lot of Megans running around Chico without any idea of how much Jesus loves them. Do you remember this? And so she felt called to go back on support and work in a ministry that was speaking the good news to college students at Chico State. She has no Christian background. She doesn't have a Christian family. She has no church background. And we said, we'll be your church because she's from Novato. And then our people stepped in. And when she raised support and was short and was about to not be able to go to Chico to do that thing, our people stepped up and are giving to her monthly this year, including out of our church budget, but people in our pockets. And she is up there right now, running free, telling other Megans that Jesus loves them. Isn't that great news? She's fully supported. She's up there. We do it spontaneously, but we also do it strategically, thoughtfully, prayerfully, 
with a plan for ministry. We have a budget in our church. It's our spending plan. And it's where we have asked God for his wisdom. We've asked our people for their input. And we put a plan in place for us to invest in mission here and around the world, in our staff and leadership for our spiritual leadership and growth, and in this building which accomplishes, facilitates, this facility that facilitates ministry. And so we very strategically have said, where do you wanna go, church? What do you wanna invest in? And you guys said this, and we said okay, and then we started on the, on the way. Collectively, what we bring together one person's resources at a time allow us to accomplish that. Does that feel like it's too, that's a little too like crass, we're talking about money in the middle of this? Good, because this is beautiful. Because the people that we're able to touch in like 12 countries around the world and all over Marin and through our staff and in our children's ministry and in our middle school ministry and in our high school ministry is off the charts kingdom glorious stuff, church. And our dollars are helping accomplish that, as well as our gifts. We're equal to the sum of our parts. And so, by the way, you're going to get a letter because it's fall. We've been through the first quarter of our year. You're going to get a letter this week, or you're going to see it in the Friday announcements, the, the email. You can click on that and, and read that letter. You're going to get a letter that says, hey, are you, uh, are you given? Because uh, you, you voted in this, this plan, this budget, this strategic ministry investment, and, um, and we're, we need to pay, pay for that. And so, you know, super family business stuff, you're going to get that letter. But I hope this little moment, this part of my moment sort of puts that in context where you're like, yes, because we're the light together and we're equal to some of our parts, our spiritual gifts and our financial resources, our tithing. Well, I said we're equal to some of our parts, but man, we, we, you can't get past the fact, too, that we are way greater as well than the sum of our parts. We're way greater than the sum of our parts. There's something mysteriously exponential there's something mysteriously exponential about our connection together, about the presence of the Holy Spirit of God in the midst of his gathered, worshiping together people. The scriptures say that the church is the body of Christ. In other words, it's the hands and the feet and the heart and the presence of Christ. It's the presence of Christ. Jesus said, where two or three of you are gathered in my name, and he was talking about discernment. He was talking about hearing God's voice, but it applies, right? Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with you in your midst. Friends, that is exponential. And Jesus said, look, if you gather together and love each other and you live in a loving community, people will know you're my disciples. People will know not that you're religious people. People will know not that you're nice people. People will know that you serve Jesus, that there's actually a Jesus in this equation. There's this fragrance the scripture talks about. The fragrance of Christ, because we bring good news, that is exponential. When we gather and worship and love and use our gifts and give, he is present. Listen to this. He's present so people can come and find him. That's what we bring. That's how we're the light together. In our midst, he is present so people can find him. We're the light. In what we accomplish, that's the collective sense, but in the sense that Jesus is present, and that's the exponential sense. Jesus is the light, as Art preached. He gave us that mantle that we are the light. And Ben said it, and we're the light scattered. This morning will represent five or six hundred places. And if you talk about work and home, a thousand places. 
where we're the light scattered throughout this Bay Area. And we're the light together, friends, as we come and bring our gifts and as we bring our resources. May God be praised as we live as children of light. That's what the New Testament teaches us. And now I'm going to ask you something. I'm going to ask you to grab the card. We do this once a year. We do it in the fall. We kind of have a re- rebooting. There's a card on the, on the rack in front of you. Uh, not, the, not the have we met card, not the small card, but the card on the, by, the, by your Bibles. It's a big half sheet. Would you just take it out and look at it? You don't, even if you decide you're not going to do anything about it, that's okay. Because I don't want to, uh, you know, you know, you totally know. Thank you, Art. You totally know that it's not our MO to be... Uh, to be all weird and coercive, but we just think there's something really profitable about some, a- some action, some response, some engagement with who we are and what we're about. I'm going to walk through this in just a few moments. We're going to, as part of our offering time, not, not right this second, but in just a couple moments, we're going to have an opportunity to come and to respond with that card. You'll see there's three, there's three bullets, basically. One, it says, I'm in. I'm in. I'm into this dangerous and radical and beautiful calling of us being the church scattered and together. So read it. I know God has led me to call MCC my church home. You're like, this is it. This is my place. And I'm reaffirming my commitment to be a part of our scattered and together church. And then look at this scary part here. Count on me to take the next steps in my journey of investing with my presence, my spiritual gifts, and my finances. This is an opportunity for you to say, this is my church. You're right, I'm in. I've made these choices. I'm here, I'm connected, I'm given to people, and I'm given financially so that we can pull off this light thing that God has for us. This is sort of a fall re-up, a reboot, a re-like, right, this is my place, I'm in. And if that's you, we want you to check that box, and in a few moments, this is our one collective, uh, all-inclusive offering plate. We're, we're going to ask you to bring your tithes and your offerings and your prayer requests, but also this card. The second, second one is, I'm thinking about being in, and this is the honest response that says, man, I know God's up to something in bringing me here, like I don't get all of this, but I'm loving it, and I can't stay away, or I, at least I can't stay away for very long, and I'm trying to figure it all out, and I don't know if it's my home church, or I don't know if the Jesus is what I believe in, or I certainly don't know whether or not I understand the giving thing, like I'm kind of in, but, but I'm going to figure it out. That's not going to sit in that. I'm going to go make it a priority to figure out what it means in the coming year. If that's you, we'd love to know that that's you. And if that's you, then we want you to, to be deciding, well, am I going to make some steps toward that, figuring it out, and come and bring that. And then the last one is, I'm new to all of this, and you people freak me out. That's what it should have said in there. <laughs> I'm just really barely hanging on to the edge of this deal. It's terrifying. But I'd love to have a cup of coffee with one of the pastors. You want to talk about terrifying? There it is right there. <laughs> to explore my relationship with God. And if we get too many of those, then we've got pastor-like people as well that will, um, that will be willing to meet and just talk about your spiritual journey. You didn't want to miss to give you the opportunity to say, man, I've got to figure this out. Can we get a little one-on-one? And maybe there's something else you need to write or include. But we think this is time every year in this fall as we kind of think through the, our years sort of start in September. Am I part of this church? Am I part of this mission? Am I part of the light of Marin Covenant, scattered and together? In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to come in, uh, after, in partway through this song. Place your tithes and your offerings in this offering basket. There aren't any in the back today. And place your card there. 
And then we're going to ask you to do this. That when you come, as you come prayerfully with your response, that you would make your way over to the sign, and on either side, right and left, there's these little tables and there's push pins in these small baskets. For you to come and to grab maybe two push pins, one or two push pins, and to put approximately a pin where you live, marking, this is my place scattered. And maybe another pushpin where you work. This is my place, scattered. And maybe you're a three-pushpin person because you've got a, a club or a, a, a city center that you work in. or you know, you know what I mean? There's a third one there. And some of you overachievers are going to have like five things and you want to like go for it. This is worship. But come and thoughtfully and prayerfully go, man, this is me. He's the light and I'm the light. Let's stand together to honor the Lord as we worship in these songs. And in just a moment, I'm going to call you to come and bring your offerings and your pins. Now receive this blessing. He is the light. And he has said, we are the light. Go and be the light. Distribute hope, grace, mercy, kindness. You are the light of the world. And go, having been the church together, strengthened, empowered by the exponential presence of Jesus himself to be God's people as you go from here. And as you go from here, remember that you are the light of the world. You are the church scattered all over Marin, all over the North Bay, hundreds and hundreds of places of influence so that people in your world may come to know and love and serve Jesus all the days of their life. Amen.